You are listening to a Live City Church podcast, and we hope you'll experience Jesus today. We are excited to have you join our extended online church family. If you would like further information or wish to access more content, please connect with us on our Live City Church Facebook page or visit us at livecitychurch.com. Good morning and welcome to Live City Church. We are so glad that you chose to watch our live stream today. It's Sunday, June the 21st, and what an incredible time right now we're living through. One day you can tell your kids about what the COVID-19 was like, the pandemic. It's going to be huge. Just like back in the day when uh, people were alive back in 1969, I was just born, and they were asking, where were you when Neil Armstrong first walked on the moon? They're going to ask you the same thing one day. So wonderful stories to tell. But with it all come some challenges, and there's a lot of worry. There's a lot of stress upon people today. A lot of people are struggling with anxiety. And this is pre-COVID. Uh, people are struggling with anxiety, but it's been accentuated during this time. All those of you who are extroverts know what I'm talking about. You may be struggling right now. The introverts... We're loving COVID right now. It's quiet. We get to spend time with family. We're at home. And it's not such a bad thing. But all in all, we know that there's problems right now. People are struggling. Uh, attitudes and, and feelings right now are, are, are at an all-time high level. We've had these marches that have been happening. There's been some crazy things going on around the world. And today, I wanted to share a message with you. And... I want you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to read verse 25 to 34. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 to 34. So please follow with me in your Bibles. The Word of God says this, Therefore, I tell you, this is Jesus speaking, Do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day, has enough trouble of its own. For those of you that might be taking notes today, the title of the message is, It's for the birds. It's for the birds. 
The thing that strikes me the most about this is if you try and put in context who the message is coming from, it's coming from Jesus, the Messiah. And the Bible records that the messages that he preached were always surrounding the kingdom. He would say the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is near. And this was one of many messages he preached, which was pregnant with kingdom thought. Nothing else matters compared to the kingdom. That's really, the, in a nutshell, what he's trying to say. Why? Because when you understand the kingdom, when you live for the kingdom, your life will change. The kingdom begins in you and eventually works its way through you. The kingdom cannot help but change situations from bad to good. The kingdom will change situations from hopeless to hopeful, from despair to victory, from death to life. If you can say amen out there, why don't you type it right now in the chat. Amen. Consider what Jesus compared the kingdom of heaven to. He compared it to hidden treasure. You'll find all these in Matthew chapter 13. Hidden treasure, verse 44. A pearl of great price, verse 45. A mustard seed in verse 31. Yeast, verse 33. A net that catches all kinds of fish, that's in verse 47. The kingdom is priceless riches and effective in changing things around it like yeast. And it is designed to grow into something much bigger than what you started with. Can you turn to the person next to you, tap them and say, watch out. It's time for me to grow. It's time right now for you to grow. Because a kingdom never remains the same. It never stands in the same place. But the Bible says it is always forcefully advancing. If you can grasp what the kingdom of heaven really is, it will change you, and it will change the world around you. You cannot do anyone any good when you are so concerned about yourself. That's what Jesus is saying. Because kingdom is always about advancing. It's going outside of your own comfort zone. It will stretch you. It will require faith. If you chose to become a disciple of Jesus, you want to follow him. Let me tell you, you can't do it without faith. Because God is constantly stretching you because he, he knows his plans for you. He knows you're going to be better than where you're at right now. No matter what situation you find yourself in. You might not have any problems in your life, praise the Lord. But I tell you what, God is going to stretch you to such a degree that you're going to think it's like problems. Because, oh God, I can't do that. I can't dream that big. That's what kingdom living is like. It's big. Kingdom living is big. You notice that we're living in a time that teaches us to focus on ourselves. It is the opposite of the kingdom. When you are so preoccupied with yourself, you will have no vision to see how you can be of benefit to others. When you are so preoccupied with yourself, you can't see outside of yourself. But that's where the glory is. That's the great things that God has for you to do. The devil comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And we often think of that passage, that's from John 10.10, 10, in a literal sense. Oh, the devil's going to kill me. He's going to try to take my life. I praise God it came through. Well, th there is that as well. But we neglect to see that the devil wants to steal your dreams. He wants to rob you of your future. He wants you so messed up, you will self-destruct for you to destroy yourself. He will fill your head with feelings of inferiority. And you can listen to last week's message on that. 
He will have you believe that you will never have enough. He will have you compare yourself to others, even though you're perfectly good-looking, until you find someone better than you. And there's always someone better than you. Tap the person next to you. If it's a COVID thing, just use your elbow. You know, hey, buddy, there's someone better than you. Go ahead and tell them that. There's somebody better than you out there. But you are so precious and you are so priceless in God. But when you start comparing yourself to other people, there's always someone better looking. There's always someone richer. There's always someone smarter. And if you compare yourself like that, you will begin to feel inadequate, worthless, insufficient until all you can focus on is me, me, me. If you're a millionaire, there's always someone richer than you. If you're a model, there's always someone better looking than you. If you're renting a great house, there's always someone else renting a better house than you. It never stops. But when you focus on these things, you, you lose sleep, you, you fret, you worry. In fact, some people inject themselves with all kinds of nasty stuff just to try to make themselves look better. I remember Michael Jackson. I was a fan of Michael Jackson music. Some of the next generation have no idea who Michael Jackson is. He was once a very rich, successful man, an icon of the music industry. He, but he was so unhappy with himself. He was so unhappy with how he looked. He didn't like being African-American. He didn't like his black skin, so he lightened his skin. He had multiple plastic surgeries until he no longer looked like a real person in his face anymore. He tried to lengthen his life, and so he slept. He spent his time sleeping in an oxygen tent. And where do we find him today? He's somewhere in a grave, and he died many years ago. Jesus said in verse 25, Therefore I tell you, do not worry. I decided to look this one up to figure out what is it, you know, that, the idea, that word worry. What does it really mean? Well, according to Strong's Concordance, it, it's the word merimanao. And it comes from the root word meritso. Don't worry, don't have to remember this, but listen to what it means. That word worry in the original language means to divide into parts. The word suggests a distraction, a preoccupation with things that causes anxiety, stress, and pressure. That's quote-unquote from Strong's Concordance. Have you ever heard the phrase, divide and conquer? It was actually a strategy of war. That rather than go out and try and defeat a large army, why not cause enough trouble that they begin to fight amongst themselves? To win by getting one, one's opponents to fight among themselves. When you worry, your mind is divided. Jesus repeats himself three times. Do not worry. Do not worry. Do not worry. So back in that day, they could only write. They're writing these things by hand. They didn't have a computer where if you wanted to make it bold or stick out, you use, you know, select the, the text you want, control B, or if you're a bit old school, you look up there with a the mouse, click B for bold. But back then, the way that they would like you to understand that this is really important is that there would be repetition. And why is this so important? Well, the answer is simple, because we worry. We worry about so many little things. Some of you may know the, the great preacher, John Wesley, or about him. And John Wesley, one time, his, uh, had his house burned down. 
And a man came up to him and says, uh, Mr. Wesley, Mr. Wesley, your house burnt down. And uh, John Wesley said, no, it didn't. No, 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 you, your, your house burnt down. It did. He says, no, it didn't. Because I don't own a house. God does. <laughs> John Wesley understood the kingdom. And it relieved him of the enormity of pressure one would feel when they've lost their house. And keep in mind, he didn't have insurance back in those days. So why do we worry? We worry so much. You, you know, you're, you're thinking about it. You're thinking about it. You try and get a good night's sleep. You go to bed 8 p.m. In, in the evening, 10 p.m. in the evening. But you're tossing and you're turning because you're worrying and you're thinking about so many things. 3 a.m., you finally get up. You're thinking, ah, oh, i got to go to the bathroom. And so you go to the bathroom. You wash your hands. By the time you do that, now you're wide awake. And now you're going to have a sleepless night the rest of the night. And your next day is spent already. And you haven't even started the day. Do not worry means take no thought. The second thing Jesus said, he said in verse 27, who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? I mean, it's impossible, but we, we try with thinking, you know, if I, can, if I can just focus on these things, the problem will be solved. And Jesus saying, look at the birds. And he wasn't trying to say, you're not trying to redirect them. Hey, look at the birds. Don't worry about your concern. Don't worry about the bills you have to pay. Let's not worry about that. Let's just watch some birds. Let's take up bird watching. That's not what Jesus was saying. But that's how I get the title of the message. Worries for the birds. It's for the birds. At some point, at some point we start thinking about the things which concern us. It's, it's normal. I get that. And I'm not saying that you should be irresponsible. You've got to think about your bills. You've got to think about how to budget and how to prepare your life. And how, you know, if you're living outside your means, maybe scale down a little bit. But work on that budget and try some things out. Because in this case, Jesus is talking about having enough money to live and to exist. Because the people back then, they were trying to earn a living from the land. And sometimes it was a struggle. You know, some of you know what I'm talking about. At some point, so we start thinking about these things they concern us and it, you know it's it's innocent to begin with and they have a way of popping up but it's important to know what to do with that but somehow <laughs> we don't intend to do this but somehow we think we know better than god's word so we indulge ourselves with worry and believe that thinking about worry somehow will fix the problem turn to the person next to you and say it ain't gonna be fixed it ain't going to be fixed that way. Only the Bible has a clue for these things. That's the thing. That's why I love the word of God so much. The answers to life are right here. It will change your life. You don't have to worry is what Jesus is trying to say. And so we're, we're thinking about these things. We indulge ourselves with the worry. We, we're concerned with one thing. And then, you know, and then we start thinking about the next thing. And it starts to build. Now, I'm not saying that you shouldn't be concerned. Absolutely. Hey, get a pen and paper. Write down the, the challenges you're having. Maybe think about some ways that can get around it. Problem solve. Maybe call a, a wise friend to help you through these things. Cause, ca call a few wise friends to help you with the idea. Give you some thoughts. How can I do this? How can I improve? But it's a whole other thing to let that thought consume you. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7 says, Cast all your anxiety on him 
because he cares for you. If you're struggling with anxiety today, if you're struggling with these worries, the Bible is very clear on this. Cast it all on Jesus. He's got big shoulders. He can carry it. But we don't. And so often we try and worry and worry and worry. We can carry so much. We're really strong. But all it takes is the last straw to break the camel's back. I remember this one quote that stuck with me. I worked many years ago for an airline. I remember on our desk with these calendars. I think they still make them today. And they have a little saying, a little quote. And the quote was this. Worry is interest paid on trouble due. So the idea is this. You are... You are adding, like, trouble might come, absolutely. But by warring, you're adding more trouble to it and more trouble to more trouble. So it becomes bigger than it was before you began. Trouble is there, but you've got time to work on solutions. Now is the time. Call those clever friends. Call those wise people in your life. Start working out a plan. Your trouble doesn't deserve the interest that you give it through worry. In verse 32, Jesus makes this point. For the pagans run after all these things. What to eat, what to wear, do I have enough clothing? Where am I going to sleep? What's going to happen? The Lord is saying, people who are ungodly, they're the ones that worry. It is the ungodly that worry. But followers of Jesus aren't designed to worry. We don't do that. I've just told you about how I worked for an airline many years ago. And when that airline collapsed, I mean, let me tell you, we, I was just about to hit 10 years. We had these big plans, my wife and I, you know, we're saving, I saved up all my holidays and I had long service leave coming. Then I was going to have this special airline discounts and we could travel the world really, really cheap. We had, we had it all set out and the airline collapsed. It was just crazy. And to, to make to add insult to injury, we were told that we were not allowed to pick up a permanent job, even though they weren't paying us money. They said you're still employed by Anson. If you do, you'll forfeit all your redundancy payments. I don't know how they would have got away with it, but it was a real threat for us. And my wife and I, we had just moved into a brand new mortgage, yeah, brand new house. We paid more money than we had in our previous house. And we had builders come in and renovate for us. And they're waiting for their pay just at that time where they're finishing. Keep in mind, these guys, they were 200% over budget. And that's not for asking them over day after day after day. How much is this costing me? How much is this costing me? Don't worry about it, Mr. Pardini. Don't worry about it. A concerned family member came up to us at that moment. We lost our jobs. And the the builder's coming in saying, pay me the money, pay me the money. I thought you said, don't worry about it. He's asking, demanding the money. And this family member said, why aren't you worrying more about this? I remember that question like it was yesterday. And my wife and I, we responded, because God. Because God. If God knew before the, uh, before the creation of the world, because he knows the end from the beginning, that that would happen to us, then I have to trust that my Father in heaven has a plan worked out for us. It's going to come good. It's going to be okay. Someone needs to hear this today. You're struggling in your life. You're asking the question, where is God in all this? I know God. I think I know God is good, but you're starting to doubt that. God is good. I was concerned. I wasn't silly. I was concerned. I had big debts to pay, no money coming in. I was not allowed to take the permanent job anywhere, but I knew God is able. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3, I, I journaled this just this week. 
It says this. So God humbled you, allowed you to hunger, and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. You might remember this passage and know that from one of the responses of Jesus during the temptations that he had in the wilderness. The devil said, turn these stones into bread. And Jesus used this very scripture, quoting it, man shall not live by bread alone. I remember when I read that this week. It blew my mind as the Holy Spirit gave me understanding. You see, up to this point in time, I know some of you may be wiser and you, and you knew the answer to this, but for me, you know, that moment's like, oh my goodness, the treasure God has rewarded me with for seeking him. This is amazing. I thought that what Jesus was saying, man shall not live by bre on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God meant that, hey, don't worry about eating at all, Okay. Just don't eat anything because if you're, if you're really religious, if you're a really good person, you don't have to eat at all. No, he wasn't saying that because the context of the scripture is that God for a season might withhold food from you to cause you to turn to him. But then the Bible says he fed them with manna. He fed them with food that was outside of this planet. It didn't exist on this planet. I want to tell you that in your problem, in your struggle right now, God has a solution for you that is outside of your planet, outside of the zone that you were thinking, outside your area of expectation, God will provide that's what that verse is saying to you man shall not live by the things that you can see taste touch smell and hear but you need to understand you live by the very word of god who will release things into your life and change your situation around when jesus countered the devil with these words he was saying god the father would never allow me to starve to death for me to force my hand to create my own miracle would be a sign that I do not trust in the Father anymore, that I do not trust in the Father's provision, that I do not believe the Father can see my need and cares about my need. But I want to tell you, devil, he gives me all I need. Some of you need to do some devil stomping time right now. You tell him what for. God knows my needs before I even said a word, and he will supply all my needs according to his riches in glory. If you agree with that right now, reply amen in the chat today. Amen. The devil wanted Jesus to focus on himself. He's saying, look after yourself for once. Look after your own needs. You have the power to do it. So why not? Why not? Because I trust God. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 to 7 says this. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything. By prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, don't just ask for stuff, thank him for it as well. Present your requests to God. And this is the result. And the peace of God, which transcends me way above any understanding, will guard your hearts and will guard your mind in Christ Jesus. I looked this up in uh, the commentaries, and they said what it's talking about, that word anxious, is to be self-centered. To be so self-centered, focusing and absorbing all, only your own thoughts, that you become counter 
productive. Isn't that interesting? When you're so bound up with cares and concerns and thoughts and think about this, you're warring within yourself, you become counterproductive. In your aim to be productive by worrying about these things and can't change anything, it becomes counterproductive. The Bible tells us in Luke chapter 10, verse 41 to 42, how Jesus had come to Lazarus, Mary, and Martha's house. They were siblings. And this is the same Lazarus that was raised from the dead. And there was Jesus teaching all these people. And they were hungry for the word, hanging on that word. Even Mary, a female among all these men, sitting at the feet of Jesus, just hanging on every word that was proceeding from his mouth. Meanwhile, Martha's setting up. She's cooking up a feast. Let me tell you, she could cook something good. And she's doing all these things, but now she's getting flustered. She's thinking, I won't get this done all the time. I, wanted to plan- I was planning to do this, and I won't be able to get that dish. Where's that good dish? Where's that dish cloth that I need? I need to get all these things ready. Where's Mary? And she's looking over there, and Mary's just sitting there all, eh, eh, I love Jesus, I love Jesus. Meanwhile, Martha's just getting all, all worked up. When she finally comes to Jesus, I mean, you can just imagine, just pretending it's nothing. Jesus, will you tell Mary to come and help me? <laughs> and Jesus' comment is, Martha, Martha, Martha. You are worrying about so many things. Because when you worry, remember, your mind is divided. It's thinking about so many things at the same time that you become unproductive. And Jesus says, Mary has found the one thing and I will not take it from her. What's that one thing? It's to occupy your mind with Jesus to worship Jesus. And someone needs to write this down. Worry is the enemy of worship. Write that one down. Worry is the enemy of worship. That's why you struggle to get your head into place when you come to church, you know? You, you, you're getting out the door and all of a sudden the baby poo, the nappy, and you think, oh my goodness, I can't believe this. And she dirtied her dress, a white dress that I put her in. So you go back there, quickly change, you're changing the nappy. If husband's there somewhere, come on woman, let's go, let's go. And everything's going crazy. And then your little Bobby, you'd given him a pen because he wanted to borrow the pen. He drew all over himself. He'd go, oh my goodness and you're trying to go get the wet cloth and wipe that thing off. You know, those moms, they put their finger on their, on their tongue and then they're wiping away. It's, it's all going on. You burnt the croissants because you're so worried about all this happening. And now no one's got breakfast. You're running late for church. You finally arrive in church and you're so flustered, worrying about so many things. And worship is the last thing on your mind. I opened with a story about John Wesley. And when I went to investigate the story, I discovered something interesting. This wasn't his first house fire. The history tells us that Samuel Wesley, the Reverend Samuel Wesley, his father, his house came on fire as well while they were sleeping at night. And he was awoken by shouts, fire, fire, from his neighbors. And Reverend Samuel awakened and woke his wife, Susanna, and their two girls. And told them, go run outside the door. Reverend Samuel ran and knocked on the maid's door. The five boys were sleeping with the maid. They were young little boys. And so the maid quickly grabbed the baby, the youngest of the lot. The three boys followed her out the door. And everyone was out there. And there's Reverend Samuel. No, 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 no. Where's John? Where's John Wesley? John was fast asleep in the bed. And the fire was rising higher and higher 
And so Reverend Samuel burst through the door to try and find his, to find his son, but he couldn't find him. And his, it was blocked by come, trying to climb up the stairs. Everywhere he tried to go, he was blocked. And on the floor in this burning house, he began to release his son to the Lord because he thought his son had burned in the fire. Well, listen what happened. John Wesley awoke thinking it was daylight because it was so bright and then alarmed, saw what was happening, went to the closest window that wasn't on fire and two neighbors helped him out. One was sitting on top of the other to grab John Wesley as he jumped off and they were all safe. And it says this in history, seeing all that had happened in just a matter of moments, Reverend Samuel cried out with a sense of relief, come neighbors, let us kneel down. Let us give thanks to God. He has given me all my eight children. Let the house go. I am rich enough. You are rich enough when your father in heaven is taking care of you. You are rich enough when you have your wife at your side and your family sitting beside you. You are rich enough when you have a house to call home and food in your cupboard. Let's not get distracted by the things that will take our attention away from God. But now is the time to give him your affection. Now is the time to give him your attention because the Father in heaven knows what you need before you even ask of him. This morning, I want to pray for those of you that are in need right now. And though I can't see you, if you're brave enough, you go ahead and type it on the, on the chat. Because I'm going to pray for you right now. This is your act of saying, God, I want you to hear me. I want to make it loud and clear. All these people here are going to be my witness. So you put it out there. If you're too scared to do that, that's okay. Just in your home right now, you call it out. That's me. That's me, God. That pastor's talking about me. I want to get that prayer. I want, to, I want things to change right now. If that's you, come on. Let's do this together. Some of you might need to stand right where you are. You mean this. So stand to your feet with me right now. I'll begin to reach out okay gonna reach to the father father in the name of jesus right now we bring our thoughts centrally on you we worship you because father you care for us and you know our areas of need and concern and sometimes you'll allow it for a moment that we would turn to you and dare we believe that this moment lord god you've captured our attention you've captured our passion and our heart we declare our love for you that you care so much for us you've already made a way out for us so this moment this day right now in the name of jesus i release breakthrough anointing in every situation i release miracle provision father god for those who are in trouble and have need right now immediately provision i pray for those who are struggling lord god with the burdens of finance that lord god you will make a way out for them father not just a one-off but also pray for wisdom lord to be able to plan themselves to plan their budget lord god to plan their lives for those lord god in struggling in other areas right now father let miracles be released upon their homes in the name of jesus Hallelujah. thank you for joining life city church and we hope that you were blessed and inspired by today's message if this ministry has made an impact on your life, we'd love to hear from you. Please drop us a line and share your story at thanks at livecitychurch.com or email us your prayer needs at prayer at livecitychurch.com. We'd love to connect with you and hear more about your story. If you love the ministry of Live City Church, you can make a financial gift to help us spread the good news of Jesus by going to livecitychurch.com and clicking the giving tab. We hope today's message has spoken into your life and look forward to your next visit.